0: Glad that you guys are here with us. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter 16. As you turn there, I know uh, typically how how we, and, and a lot of... Churches really do things is uh, uh, you kind of give the, the previous week's message and then you move to the next message and you move to the next message. Well, I want to I want to bring back real quick a, an application from last week's message that isn't going to just be for last week, but I want us to continually have this conversation and set it on our minds and and create a, a vocabulary that that we are accustomed to here at Willow Ridge Church and, and ask you the question: Who is your one? Who is your one? Now, if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to go back and, and listen to last week's message because there's a lot that, that builds up to this. But, but what, we're, what we're looking at, what, I, what I'm talking about is, is the reality. And, and you all know this, this. This world is filled with lost people that don't know Jesus. And, and you and I, we know them. We, 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 we work with them. They, they live near us. Some of you, depending on the dynamic of your family, maybe even live in your house. Uh, uh, they, they share a, 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 a baseball team with you that your kids compete on, or, or some life God has brought you and positioned you with lost people. And, and what we talked about last week is it can be overwhelming to look back and see the vast amount of lostness in the world. But what would it look like if every believer of God said, you know what, I'm going to commit to this one individual that God's laid on my heart to to interact with them and to lead them in such a way that they could come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And and who God lays on your heart is who I want you to run with. And and we talked at the end of the message last week, so I'll kind of preview it. But again, please go back and listen for things that we're going to do to engage this one with the gospel. Number one, we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for them. Now, I've got a list of prayer requests that I pray for continually uh, of people with surgeries and loss and decisions that have to be made and, and, and rebellious children that they're battling with, right? And we want to continue to pray for those people in those manners, but that's not what I'm talking about with this. What I'm talking about with these individuals is praying for them that they may come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There's an intentional prayer that you're offering for them. And that's what the whole pursuit is about. So number one, we'll pray that they'll come to know Christ. Number two, we're going to serve them in a way that is sacrificial. And here's what I mean. Like sometimes we do things for one another and the expectation is that the person will return the favor. Like, I've got a, I got a good friend of mine, and him and I are continually living in that world, right? Like, we don't, we don't set out to do that, but I do something for him. He does something for me. Sometimes he doubles down on me, and, and it takes me a while to catch back up with him. But we live in that, right? And, and what we're doing is, is we're interacting with each other in a way that, that we know and that speaks a love language back and forth. But that's not what I'm talking about either. I'm talking about serving individuals that you are seeking nothing in return back for yourself. You're just seeking to serve them in a way that displays and shows the gospel, so it has to be sacrificial. The third thing I want to encourage you to do is to invite them, to invite them to experience the fellowship of the body of Christ. Now, I'm not just necessarily talking about, hey, come to a worship service with me. What I'm talking about and what we looked at last week is, is bringing them into your home. Right? I think how many people you know that could never get to your home? They've never been in your house. And, and what I want to encourage you to do is, is, is invite them into your home, bring them into a meal, let them see what the body of Christ looks like in tangible, real ways that open homes, open lives. And then the last thing, and this is going to be the, the huge stretch for, for so many of us, is, is seek for an opportunity to share the gospel. So share, share the gospel. All right. Now it's great to pray when you need to do it. It's great to serve. We need to do it. It's great to invite. We need to do it. But there has to become some point in time where you lay out the gospel. Now, a couple different ways. For you, this could be your journey. What the Lord's leading you to do is to sit down with Scripture and walk through verse by verse and explain. And if you want some help with that, sign us up. We'd love to sit down and and help walk you through that. But but here's a way that that I think is real and, and is tangible, especially for a lost world and for everyone in here. If you are Saved, okay? There's been a point in time where Christ has saved you. And you have a relationship with Him. And you are the expert in that. You are the expert in your walk with Christ of what it looked like for him to save you and to bring you life and hope. You don't Lost people don't want to sit down and, and debate all the parts of Isaiah, all right? They, they want to know what your story is and what Jesus did and how Jesus saved you. And so I want to encourage you to, to do that. So who is your one? Let's be praying about that. Let's be thinking about that and, and seeking the face of God on that as well. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look in Luke 16 at a parable that that Jesus shared. And I want to share with you kind of the theme, and then we're going to have four application points of this parable. And and here's the theme. How you live today shows your value or, or your belief in what tomorrow holds. What you, how you live today, what you do today, what we speak about today shows our value or your belief in what tomorrow holds. Now, now this week was a great object lesson in that, all right? So Monday, uh, Aaron had been searching online or on Facebook Marketplace for a long time for, for us to get a, a new old refrigerator right? So we're those people, we got a refrigerator in in, in the garage, right? It's where you you put the leftovers. It's it's where we can load it up with Gatorades and and waters when you're out there working in the yard. And it's what we've got. We we will maximize the freezer and we've got one right now and and it's starting to not act right. And so my wife, she's been looking for, for months all through COVID of trying to find us a new refrigerator for the garage. And she found one on the other side of Aiken, and so on on Monday, uh, me, uh, my neighbor, and, and Moses, we, we load up in my truck, and we, we begin to head to the other side of Achan to to pick up uh, this refrigerator. And on our way there, my, my neighbor, he's sitting in the back seat of my truck. He, he says something like, hey, did y'all know the Russians just bombed our, uh, our our gas line? And I was like, whoa, 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 what, what? I'll, if you know me, like news doesn't bring out the best of me, but I knew that didn't quite sound right. And so I was like, let's flesh this out a little bit and figure out what's going on. So in, in the very early moments of this on Monday, he begins to to share like, like what is going on and, and what is happening, uh, what he can get off of his of his phone and, and so I and it said in there right there's going to be a gas shortage we're going to do without and so I looked down and I was like oh I got I, I'm right at a full tank so, so I'm good so we go and we pick up the refrigerator and we drive all the way back and we get to the house and, and Moses is like man I ain't got no gas so on the way from from my house to Gilbert which is like a 12 minute ride Moses is like I'm gonna hit up some gas stations Well, on the way, while Moses was there, Aaron pointed out that she didn't have any gas because she'd planned to get something in the morning, and she didn't know all of this. And I'm like, you'll be fine, babe. Like, this won't be a big deal. Like, it's the media, right? Yeah, whatever, right? And so Moses sends me a text message. Hey, man, like, this is for real. Like, (laughs) I just bought premium, (laughs) you know? like, Like, this is what's going on. And so still, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Well, so Aaron and I are already in bed. It's about 10.30, way past our bedtime. So I get up, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to go put some gas in your car. So I rode up and put premium in, in the car. And then the next morning, now I'm at about a half a tank for my trip back and forth. And I realized, no, this is, this is a thing. This is a thing. So I, I, need, to, I need to think ahead for what tomorrow I could hold. So I had a 55-gallon drum in my yard and I went and put it in the back of my truck. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. Like, some of y'all are looking at me like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we're leaving. Um, no, no, but, but I was like, I, I'm not at half a tanks. I want to be smart. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I want to be smart. And so on my way of taking the kids to school, I went ahead and said, let's, let's top off. Let's go ahead and get to a full tank. And I told Aaron because I knew we were taking her car to Atlanta on Friday, and we've, we've got to go to Atlanta. I said, hey, like, if, if when you start to get around half a tank, like, like go ahead and, and, and fill up and go ahead and take care of that because, like, I'm not at the point to where we need to all dig bunkers and hide, right? But this could be a thing of what they're saying for like four or five days. And, and it, it kind of became an, an inconvenience for a lot of people within there, right? Here, here's my point what we did, what I did that day was determined by what I believed tomorrow would hold and what we're going to look at in this parable is this Jesus says the world gets that concept I wish my people would the world gets that what they do today says what they believe or value about tomorrow and I wish my people would get that and so we'll start reading in in verse 1 I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Fifty. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. And the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. And now Jesus transitions out of the parable. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Then if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he will will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money." Verse 14, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. So here's what I want us to to first like go ahead and address. This is a very, very difficult parable. Sometimes Jesus lays some things out in parable. We looked at these like the lost coin, like like there's there's some things we can draw out from that, but like we get it. When lost is found, we celebrate. This, we read it like what? Jesus is, is not, if we're careful, it can be that Jesus is, is giving us sinful advice. Rip people off. This is what you're to do, and that's not what he is saying. So let me, let me explain what is going on in this parable that'll help us understand our, our application points for this. So there's this rich man who finds out that his manager is wasting his possessions, so he decides he's going to fire him, right? You're not a good manager. You're not doing what I expect from you to do with what I've entrusted you with. So he summons him, and says, go get all your files, go get the accounts, go get the paperwork, because you're going to be uh, terminated. Now, this guy, who's, who's, he's real sharp, and he's smart, and he evaluates himself, and here is the conclusion that he comes to. Jesus' own words. He says, I'm not real strong, and I'm not built for manual labor." So that's out. He's about to lose his management job. No one's gonna hire him. He's not getting good references. And he goes, man, I've been living in this blue collar world, I, I, white collar world to jump into blue collar and have to work and use my strength. Like, that's not me. I'm out. Then he says, and like, let's just be honest. I'm not gonna beg. That's, that's beneath me. I'm not going to do that so that's out. So what do I do? And he says, well, I'm going to dig into what I know and how I know I can manipulate things and move things around and bend the rules because I'm not fired yet and I have the accounts. So he grabs these accounts and he goes to two debts that are owed. The first guy owes 100 measures of oil is what scripture tells us. And so that's the amount of oil that you could get from 150 filled olive trees. This would be the amount of oil that would come from them. So this is what he's owed. I don't know if you've bought olive oil. It ain't cheap, right? This is about two to three years salary. And he goes to this guy and says, this is what you owe my master. Here's what I'm gonna do. You pay it right now, I'm gonna cut it in half. Take it and pay it. And so he does. To another guy, he owes 100 measures of wheat. That's roughly 100 acres of wheat, which would be 10 years' salary. And I don't know the difference in the numbers or if that's important, but he cuts that one by 20%. And he says, You pay that, and we'll take care of this because I still got the books. And the guy's like, All right, and he pays it. And so, why would he do this? He's not keeping the money back for himself. He's not saying like, look, I'm going to cut it to, to 80, so go ahead and pay that now and keep 10 for me, and then I'll be set. He doesn't steal because that's against the law, but he's been entrusted with the books. And so he bends what's there. He thinks about what's going on. And here's here's his heart. Here's Here's what he's doing in this moment. He said, look, there's going to become a point in time where my money runs out and I don't have a place to live. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cash that in then. So I'm going to think a year from now when there's no food on my table, when there's no roof over my head, I'm gonna go to that guy and say, hey, remember when you owed 10 years wages and I cut two of that off from you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm sleeping in your bed tonight, right? Like, you're, you're moving, you're on the couch, buddy. I claim it. To go to the other guy. Remember when I cut that debt in, in half? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're feeding me for a while, right? This is, this is what I'm doing. Now, the master When he gets the records, he goes and he looks and he's like, I see what you did. Yep, yep. Mm, You got me there. Good one. Good one. Right? That when the master looks at what's done and he notices that he bent what was there in order to benefit him because he knows what is tomorrow holds. It says the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. And then Jesus says, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. So, so Jesus is not telling you if you find out you're gonna be laid off to go and, and bend the rules. But here's what Jesus is saying about the sons of light, you and I, that we should live today Make our decisions today based off of the value of what we know tomorrow or even more important, what we're going to press into, eternity will hold. That that should affect our right now. You see, this isn't about gas. This isn't about food. This is about eternity and giving an account to God of what you and I have been given. And so the first thing, the first application that I want us to have is this, is live knowing. Live knowing. Live every day knowing that you and I will give an account. All right? Now, it is saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Like, that's the means of salvation. We're going to sing a song at the end of the service. That just lays that out for us about what God does because of who God is and how you and I we live in the beauty of the benefit of that. All right. So, so so know this. But scripture is also very clear that all of us, all of the world is going to give an account. Paul writes in, in Romans 14:12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God, right? Each of us. Paul's talking to the church, including himself into that. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. Ecclesiastes 12, 14, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Paul writes again, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so what Jesus is driving home at in this parable is that the world lives their life in preparation for what the future will hold. Why won't my people get this? And here's the weird part for you and I. We understand this and we apply this in earthly measures all the time. Retirement account, that's not bad. That's good, set things up because there's gonna become a point in time where your body and your mind can't do what it's doing right now. And you need to make sure that you set things ahead because of what tomorrow will hold. A bus could hit me today and wipe me out and that retirement account isn't gonna change anything for me. But at that point, when my mind's not as sharp as it used to and I can't stand here as long as I used to, which some of you be like, well, that's kind of a good thing, right? But we can't do these things and your back can't take what you've been doing, you know what's gonna happen? You're going to have prepared for the future of the investment of what's there. And Jesus says, I wish the children of the world, they get that. Our church has embraced that. But when it comes to light and matters of the light, we don't always get that. But God's word's really clear. Everything, yep, everything you and I got to give an account for. For all of it. So what does that mean for us within the dynamic of, of this parable? I don't think this is an all-encompassing, but Jesus gives us some different things for us to look at if we're going to live in a future mindset. Number one is, is, is live generously, right? Live knowing, but, but also live generously. Luke 16, 9, at the end of this, Jesus says, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you, into the eternal dwelling. So what in the world is Jesus talking about here, all right? He says, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, okay? Jesus is not talking about like shady living and money. Jesus isn't saying like, well, go make friends from the money that you've ripped off from people. That's not unrighteous wealth. Here's what unrighteous wealth is. Anything that burns up, anything, Anything of this world, it's, it, 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 it's material, it, it's going it's to burn up, it, it, it's not God, it's, it's not eternal. And so what Jesus says is, all this is going to burn up anyways, so take what you have, take what you've been entrusted with, and use it in such a way that it draws people to you that it draws people into who you are and into what you know. Make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, when it's gone, when it burns up, when you're in a box, right, that the fruit of your life, of what you invested in, will become manifest through your eternal dwellings. That's what he says. Unrighteous wealth. Be generous. Be generous. With this, we begin to think of things differently our house, our car, our money, all of these things. And so Jesus says, Look, you you can't take it with you. And so live in a manner that's generous to to those around you, right? In, In Leviticus 25, 35, It says, if your brother, by the way, that's not biological brother, that's brother in the family here, right, becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner. So look at what Jesus says, like, if your brother becomes without, treat him as a stranger sojourner, let's define it, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit but fear your God that your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him your money at interest nor give him food for profit. Now, then there's gonna be a pause here for just a second because if I'm hearing that, I'm like, well, well, what do I get out of this? I've worked hard. I've built these things. This is what I've done. And then God in his grace and love comes and hits us upside the face with verse 38. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Oh, you don't think he deserves it? Guess what, buddy? Neither did you. And what did I bring you out of? And what did I give you? And who am I, right? Right? And so in this, we see the picture of what Scripture calls us to, to live in generosity. Jesus says, like, take your take, take your unrighteous wealth that's going to burn up and just use it. And let me just tell you, when you're generous to people in the small things and in the big, it impacts in so many different ways, all right? So a, a few weeks ago, um, normally, I, I'm not a big breakfast guy. Very rarely do I eat breakfast. Um, and, and so I, I was riding up here on, on a Sunday morning, and I was running a little early, and I could, I could feel the grumble right like I was getting a little bit hungry and I thought you know what I need I need a Bojangles biscuit I ain't had one of those in a long time and so I go through the line I had my coffee with me didn't need the combo just needed the biscuit ordered it came up to like three dollars and some change right now 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 this isn't bragging this is just blessing like three dollars and, and change I didn't think twice about it I'm not going to miss my mortgage because of this biscuit right so I pull up I pull up to the window And the lady hands me the bag before I can hand her my my debit card. That's why I gotta pay. And she said, "Well, Well, no, the car in front of you just paid for your food. That didn't change my retirement account. I didn't call the kids and say, Hey, somebody just bought my biscuit, we can go to Disney now, right? That didn't happen. But from that moment, weeks ago until now, what it has sparked within my heart of God drawing me closer is revealing the sin of where I'm stingy and walking me down a path of generosity because of a biscuit. Because of a biscuit. You know, what would it look like if the people of God stopped displaying ourselves as the misers and started living in the generosity? in the generosity. I want to challenge you with something this week. You've all, we've all got our like, routines of life, right? We've got our things that we do, our rewards that we give ourselves. So on Friday, you, you swing by Starbucks and you get the really expensive extra large drink right on your way home, right? On Tuesdays, you always go out for dinner together so that you don't have to worry about a meal that day and you can just go and just... Go out to dinner. What would it look like this week, just this week, if you took that encounter of what you would do and used it as an opportunity to bless someone and be generous instead? I, here's what I thought about. Those people in that car, they had no clue who I was. It's early in the morning. They didn't know where I was coming from or where I was headed to. They didn't know the motive of my heart. They didn't know my sin. They didn't know anything. And they decided in their generosity to love me. And it impacted me and changed me. What would it look like if God's people did the same thing? live in generosity next thing i want us to look at live as a steward live as a steward which by the way stewardship and generosity are partners not 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 they don't work against each other all right jesus says One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, the things of this world, who will entrust you with the true riches, the things of God, the things of eternity? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So Jesus is like, hey, disciples, Pharisees are e into this. Like, like, let's listen. Be stewards. Here's what stewardship means. You and I, can we agree as believers of Christ that we have nothing? We own nothing. None of this, the clothes you are wearing right now aren't yours. The money in your account, it is not yours. The car in the parking lot is not yours. The home that awaits you, it is not yours. The body that you have in here with you right now, it is not yours. None of it. It's all God's. And what God did is he entrusted you with it for a purpose and for a reason. Because the things, I just listed all sorts of things that are gonna burn up and be destroyed. And he entrusted us with those things Things and how we steward them, how we're faithful with them will help us see if we can be entrusted with the true riches, with the things that don't burn up. So here's the, here's the bow, God, woodshed, I'm limping this week moment for me continually over and over and over again. How am I doing with what I've been entrusted with? So here's my personal journey into my brain this week. My body, how am I doing caring for it? If you know me, you know that manna from heaven looks like a cheeseburger from McDonald's, right? (laughs) Am I taking care of it? A few years ago, (laughs) do you have those people in your life who you know they love you, but it feels like they say mean things to you all the time? I have some of those people. If you don't find some of those, they're good for you. And he said to me a few years ago, hey, man, kind of looking fat and lazy. (laughs) Well, good to see you too, you know? And he said, have you ever said no to God because you physically can't do something? And he said, I'm not talking about you physically can't do something. Like if I take off my glasses, I can't read right now. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you ever said no to God because you physically can't do something because you've been a poor steward of your body? Yep. Care for it. God gave it to us for a reason that we could then go and carry the gospel, right? Spouse, my wife. It sounds weird and, and, and maybe sexist, To say that I need to steward my wife. But if you're married in here, you need to be stewarding your spouse. And men, I won't kind of pick on you because I understand us, right? I'm going to stand before the Lord one day and give an account for how I lead and love her. That's what it means to steward. I don't control her, she's not mine. She's God's. But I've been trusted with her heart. I've been entrusted with her mind. I've been entrusted with her spirit to lead it and to love it well. And I'll have to give an account for how I've done that. For my kids, they're getting older Y'all remind us of that all the time when you tell us how big they're getting. All I hear is moving to college soon, right? But they're God's, they're not mine. But he's entrusted them to me to raise them in the ways of the Lord, to lead them on the path of the gospel, to impart God's truth into who they are. And then here's the hard thing, to release them to go do it. And I'm gonna have to stand before the Lord and give an account. We can keep going. The house, the cars, the cash, the food. How are we using them for the glory of God? I want to give you this illustration. I'm not a car guy. I've never been a car guy. Like all of my cars, trucks that I've ever had, I just I just kind of use them to serve a purpose. And if you get in my car it's not necessarily always the cleanest there's probably dog hair in the back seat there's definitely going to be some mcdonald's french fries that you find kind of hidden there's going to be stains where things were spilled that's just me and some of you are cringing at that right because you're car people i know a guy one time and a good friend of mine and he's a he's a car guy and he worked hard and finally saved up enough money and he bought himself a sports car And every Friday, he had every Friday off from work and he would go out into his yard and and he would wash that car and and when the car was washed and and dried, he would go inside and get Q-tips and would go through the inside and the outside of that sports car detailing it. And if you got in his car, your shoes better be cleaned. And if you want to be drop kicked out of it, like bring food or drinks into there, right? Like this is how serious this guy would be. So just imagine you've got him, you've got me. Hey, JJ, can I borrow your Mustang? Yeah, sure, Bo. And then I get it. And I take it down dirt roads because that's what I like to do. And I go by McDonald's because I'm having a weak moment. And I leave the, the wetness from the cup, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? In the cup holder and there's crumbs all over the place and there's dirt off my shoes and all of those things are there. And I bring it back to his house and I toss him the keys and it's covered with insects all over it and said, hey, I appreciate it, man. Can I borrow it again on next Friday? What think he's gonna say? No, Why? Because I knew his standard, he had entrusted me with it, and I chose to ignore it and rebel from it. And for us, that's what we do. When the standard of what God has given us, we violate and walk away from with what he's called us to steward. So live as a steward. And and then lastly, live in pursuit. Live in pursuit, Jesus' own words. No one can serve two masters, For either he will hate the one and and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And then because Jesus is just awesome, and he sees this in verse 14, he speaks to the Pharisees who were lovers of money, heard all of these things, and they ridiculed him. Jesus knew that, right? Saying it loud enough so that they can hear him. Because he knows at their heart, they're chasing two things. And Jesus looks at all of them and says, you can't serve two masters. No one can serve God and anything else that's just going to burn up. You can't. I, can't. I can't serve God and me. I can't serve God and Aaron. I can't serve God and my kids. I can't serve God and you. I gotta serve God. And I can't chase after these things. I just have to chase After him. But you and I, we wanna, we wanna chase. We wanna chase. Close with this illustration. A few years ago, not a few years ago, our kids were actually, they just hit the really mobile and dangerous stage, right? Like they had been walking for a while, but they were like hit the point where like they could run but not run well, so they could get away from us and then fall, right? Um, and fall hard, like not even, it's like the kids, like they don't even try to catch themselves, it's like I'm going to fall, throw my hands back, right, face slap, right, and so um, Aaron and I decided at that stage in our kids' life to let's go to the beach, just the four of us, so we went to the beach, and so Aaron and I had this plan of this is what we're going to do, we're going to get out to the beach and we're going to get everything set up and we're going to have our chairs and we're going to have the umbrella and we're going to have the cooler and we're going to have uh, the games and, and all the stuff that we're going to do. But because going to the beach is is relaxing, like we we want part of that, right? We're, we're, we're a team and we, and we get that and we know that. And so we're going to be a team on the beach. And what we're going to do so that we can relax as is, is well is, is we're going to take turns. And for the first 30 minutes, I'm going to Go And I'm going to watch the kids and I'm going to play with the kids and then, and then Aaron can, can kick back in her chair and, and read her book and, and just have a great time for 30 minutes and then I'm going to come over there and we're going to high five and I'm going to sit down in my chair and I'm going to kick back and put on my sunglasses and close my eyes and, and take a nap. And we're gonna keep going over the course of the day, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so we get there and we get everything set up and and, and Aaron goes and sits down and, and I got the kids by the hands and I bring them to their to their sand castles and, and, and that we're gonna work on and that we're gonna build with all those kind of things. And, and I set them there and, and and we're like, all right, and ready, one, two, three, go. And I let go of their hands and I'm down there on the sand and in and, 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 and unison, Grayson, this way, Emma, this way. And so you run after one and the other one falls and then that one cries and then that one cries and then all of a sudden we're, I don't know, it seemed like an eternity, but we're 30 seconds into this day. (laughs) We're wondering, why don't we take grandparents, right? And Erin comes out of her chair and she says, well, this is gonna be a relaxing week, isn't it? And I said, yep. And she says, I got grace and You've got Emma. And then we did the dance of kids for a week at the beach. She chased, and I chased. Why? Because we knew, we knew that one person couldn't chase two things. But we don't get that. We don't get that. I don't know what you're chasing, I know what I chase we got to stop because one day we'll give an account for all that we've said, for all that we've done, both righteous and unrighteous. And Jesus says, you can only serve one. He says it where the disciples can hear and where the Pharisees can hear. Who's it going to be? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this time and this opportunity that we have where we can be here. Lord, I pray that as we reveal, as you reveal who we are, Lord, I pray that our hearts be drawn to you. Lord, show us the the areas in in our life, Lord, Lord, where we're stingy and need to be generous. Show us the areas of our life where where we're foolish and need to be stewards and remind us to live every day today and tomorrow like eternity matters because it does. And Lord, have us chase who you are with all we have and all we are. And Jesus will praise you for it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Here's the challenge. You got the who's your one. It's just a biscuit for me. It's just a biscuit. But someone's generosity in my heart a deeper conviction of who Jesus is and his desire for my life.